Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Good evening, everyone, and praise the Lord. I want to thank you for joining us at Hatchbend Apostolic Church on our Wednesday night, Night for Living Bible Study. I'm going to ask you this evening to turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 139 and verse 1. That will be Psalms 139 in verse 1. While you are finding that in your Bibles, I would remind you to let's continue to pray for our country and our leaders, not just on a national level, but on our state and local levels as well. There are decisions being made about our future over the coming weeks, and we need the Lord to guide them and direct them in the past that, that would be best for all of us. Psalms 139 and 1 reads this, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? And I'll ask you to move down to verse 14 in the same chapter. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. This evening, I would like to extract one phrase or one sentence from verse 14 that we just read. And I'm going to use that phrase to preach tonight, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You and I are unique creatures. God made us each and every one individually, and He loves us unconditionally. And so for the next few minutes, I just want to preach from this subject, made by the Master. Will you pray with me? Father, I love you, and I'm so thankful for the spirit that I feel in this place. And although we are not together physically, I feel that we are together in spirit. And I would ask that you would reach into the homes tonight, that you would touch our hearts, that you would touch our minds, and that you would help us to receive the word as it goes forth. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. David said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I want to begin first with the word wonderfully. I'm going to switch the words up as they portray in the verse. And the word that is translated wonderfully is in this verse of Scripture comes from a Hebrew word, which means to be uniquely distinguished or set apart. The implication is to show something Fourth, that is marvelous. And when you, we look at ourselves today, you and I, we may not see very much at all. 
When I got up this morning and made my way to the bathroom and looked into the mirror and I saw what was looking back at me, there was not much to be impressed with. But I know this day that God loves me and I am unique and He made me. You and I are a constant demonstration of the genius of God. We are marvelous creatures and we can never forget. We must always realize and understand that we are God-formed, God-breathed, and contrary to some beliefs, we did not evolve. Genesis 2 and 7 states that God formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So I'm here tonight and you are here tonight and we're not here by accident. Perhaps your mother or father or you may know of someone that has portrayed you to be an accident in this world, but you are no accident. You are put here for a purpose, for an intent. God did not make a mistake. I am God-formed, I am God-breathed, and I am God-ordained. And David said that I am marvelous. It is somewhat overwhelming when I read about the capabilities of the human body, this body that God made. 263 bones right where they should be, each to accomplish a purpose. 640 muscles in my body tied with tendons and sinews. 970 miles of veins and arteries that carry all the blood right where it's supposed to be and right back again to where it needs to be. Today, my lungs will breathe in some 2,400 gallons of air. In a year's time, I will process some 876,000 gallons of air. And in a lifetime, I will breathe in some 600 million gallons of air. I am wonderfully made by the Master. In one hour today, my heart will beat 4,200 times. Over the course of this year, it will beat over 37 million times. I'm an incredible human being. And I'm made by the Master. I have in my brain, and you have in your brain, enough electrical circuitry to process the switchboards of ten New York cities. I am wonderfully made. You see, God invested so much in my creation, and, and not just in His creative genius. We have to understand that He is omniscient. The Bible says that He declared from the, the end, from the beginning, so on that day, way back at the beginning of creation, when God knelt down over that lump of clay and He began to fashion in His own image, as He stood there deliberating about whether or not He should press His lips to the lips of this image and blow breath into the life, this God that declared the end from the beginning knew that when He did this, that man was already destined to fall and fail that the creation that he so longed to fellowship with was going to be severed and breached. So before he ever breathed into Adam's life, God knew that the only way that he would be able to redeem man back to himself was to step off of his throne, ungod himself, robe himself in flesh, come to this earth, walk among men, and die the death of the cross. On that day... Back at the beginning of creation, when God stood over that image. Since we're speaking of a God that knows the end from the beginning, God saw me on that day, and God saw you. 
God seen a child that would follow him in his youth. Seen a young boy that would love him, that would seek him, that would want to be in the house of the Lord. The Lord would also see a young man in his teenage years who would stray, who would walk away from God and live a life in sin. But even in spite of all of this, God so wanted a relationship with me that he made the decision on that day that I'll do it anyway, knowing in advance that it would cost him, knowing that, that when he done this, he was going to have to walk up Galgotha's hill and hang and die on a cross for you and for me. If just not being alive wasn't enough, he put into us such unique mental and emotional capacities. I am the only creation that God created that can laugh. I'm the only one that he created that can cry. I'm the only one that can love. Please don't misunderstand me this evening. I'm not being boastful, but I'm talking about the uniqueness. I'm not talking about the uniqueness of all humanity. But tonight I'm talking about me. I'm one of a kind. You're one of a kind. I'm wonderfully made by the Master. This finger has a significant print on the end of it. Of all the million people in the world today that's lived before today and that will live after today, no one will ever have a print like this one. I'm unique and I'm special to God. But best of all, Jesus knows me personally. Matthew 10 and 30 says that the very hairs of my head are numbered. And in Matthew 6 and 32, he knows everything that I have need of. Jesus said in John 6 and 44, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. I stand here tonight redeemed from sin. I have repented. I have been baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ, and I have been filled with the Holy Ghost. And this did not happen by chance, but it was an act from God. It wasn't that I just got up one day and said, I'm tired of living this way. And that I wanted to turn my life around. While those thoughts may have been on my mind, unknowing to me there was the hand of God that was moving, that was reaching. The Spirit was moving. The Spirit was drawing. There was a special encounter. And I'm here tonight because of an invitation by the Master. Hear me this evening. It's so important not to resist the drawing or the wooing of the Spirit of God. We don't determine our day of salvation. It is a sovereign act of God. It's by invitation only. Please don't say that I'll come when I get ready. Because when you get ready, you may not be invited. Please don't say, Jerry, I have a long bucket list of things that I want to do in this life before I give myself to the Lord, because your day may come too late. God has invested so much into you and I. David said that I am wonderfully made, but he also said in the text that we read this evening in verse 14, he said, I'm fearfully made. So many times when we read the word of God, we will see uh, the phrase, the fear of the Lord, or fear the Lord. Most times this is talking about respect or reverence of all of the presence of God. It's not referring to being scared or afraid. 
But however, this evening, this particular verse of passage of Scripture that we have read, that is exactly what it is referring to. When David said, I am fearfully made, it comes from the Hebrew word which means frightened. It speaks of dread and fear. David said, there's not only a wonderful part to my creation, but there is a fearful part. I am the only creation that God ever made that has a conscience. All others operate by instinct. They act for personal survival. They recognize no moral code. However, I act by deliberation. I have a thought process. Everything I do is the product of choices that I make. Just as God knelt over that lump of clay and had to make a choice. Am I going to breathe the breath of life into Adam? Knowing that if I do, it's going to come with a high cost. Yet God still chose to create man. In spite of knowing that he would have to suffer the agony of the cross. And so you and I too have a decision to make. Do we disregard what Jesus Christ did for us? Or do we recognize the sacrifice that he had made? And do we turn and run to him? The wise Solomon said in Proverbs 20 and 18, Every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice make war. Every purpose is established through a thought process. Now, the frightening thing is, is that most of the time the primary counsel I listen to is my own mind and my own conscience. But the fact of the matter is, is we all operate according to a plan. We may think that we're just letting it unfold. We may think that we're just letting life play out. No sir, no ma'am. I'm here tonight because I plan to be. You're tuned in tonight because you made a conscious decision to do so. I'm living for God because I've purposed in my mind and planned in my heart that I'm going to. Because you see, without a plan, you've already positioned yourself to fail. But there's an immortal part of me too, see. In fact, tonight, that's the real me. That's the real Jerry, this immortal side. This figure of a man that you see before you this evening is not the real me. This is just a shell. This is just flesh and blood and bone. And it's all going to wither away someday. The real me is my soul. The real me is something that's akin to God that's going to live forever beyond this world. You see, he blew into me his spirit, the breath of life. And not only did I become a living man, but I became a living soul. And the frightening thing is, is that all eternity rests on this brief span of time that we call life. And we all know this evening that life is passing by at a rapid rate. It seems like I woke up one morning and graduated high school and a few weeks later I turned 40. Life is slipping through our hands like sand through an hourglass. You know, sometimes I, I think that we have a lost message in the church. I don't want to be harsh this evening, but if we're not careful, we're going to lose the message of the destiny of the soul. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm all in when it comes to preaching encouraging messages. I'm all in when it comes to preaching messages of hope and about the grace of God. I believe in preaching the blessings of the Lord and how we can live for God and be prosperous in this world. But let us not forget 
that this world is not my home. One songwriter said, I'm just passing through. And if we're not careful, we will lose the message about the destiny of our soul. We don't preach enough about heaven, and we sure don't preach enough about hell. Some say, well, let's not mention hell because it might scare some people off. Well, hello, it should. Hell is real, and hell is a place where we don't want to be. Several weeks ago, I was traveling south on Highway 19, heading into Chiefland, and there's a billboard sign there that I have read often. Uh, but I read it again on this particular day, and it has seemed to just to stick in my mind over the last few weeks. The sign simply says this, Hell, comma, I forgot about that. And if we're not so careful as a church, as a body of Christ, we can get so caught up in the world and the things of this world, we forget about what's really taking place in this life. And in this life that we're here on earth, there are decisions that will be made about our soul. And in the end, it won't matter what kind of house you had. It won't matter what kind of car you drove or what kind of house you lived in. But in the end, it's going to be what kind of condition was your soul in. Paul said, Romans 6 and 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is saying, you can earn hell, but you can't earn heaven. You can earn hell because that's the wages of sin, but you can't earn heaven. All that is required to make hell is simply choose not to make heaven your home. Just simply make the choice not to obey the commandments of God. But to go to heaven, tonight you're going to have to choose Jesus. And that can be a fearful part. And you know what else the frightening thing is? There are people in this world that if you confront them with this thought, they say, I, I'm not ready to make that choice. I'll pass. I'm happy with my life right now. I'm not, I'm not ready to commit. Well, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, ma'am. By not choosing Jesus, you've already made a choice. Hell is a very troubling thought. Because there are a lot of good people who don't know God and choose not to know Him. And if that remains, they're going to spend an eternity in hell. God gives us the opportunity. He puts the ball in our court, so to speak. We have the power to make the decision. When Nicodemus came to Jesus in the middle of the night in John chapter 3, he was inquiring about eternal life. Jesus said that a man must be born again or he cannot see the kingdom of God. And this confused Nicodemus and he did not understand how a man was to enter into the womb the second time. And in verse 5 of John chapter 3, Jesus emphatically stated, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up with the eleven standing beside him and preached the first message, the congregation was stirred. They were awakened and they cried out to Peter, What must we do? In the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
So we have clear instruction from the word of the Lord. And the decision then rests with you and I. It's my choice to make. It is deliberate. It's on purpose. And that can be somewhat fearful. One of the most revealing moments of the Bible is, takes place in Matthew chapter 27. As they bring Jesus into the judgment hall of Pilate. Pilate interrogates and he examines Jesus and he finally turns to the crowd. And he says, what shall I do? With Jesus, It was customary in this season, in this time, for uh, a prisoner to be released. And Pilate asked the question, it's your choice. Do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? Pilate was saying, I don't want this choice forced on me. Can I say this respectfully? One of the most foolish things that you or I could do is to allow someone else to decide if we're going to serve the Lord or not. Pilate said, who do you want me to release? It's so foolish for us to let the crowd intimidate us into making a decision that's going to affect our eternity. If we could call back in time to Pilate tonight and warn him and say, Pilate, don't do it. Don't, don't make that decision. But we know that's not reality. We know that's not possible. But one thing that I'm excited about this evening, however, is that we can call forward. That's why I'm here tonight. That's been my goal since I started. I'm calling for someone. I'm reaching for somebody tonight under the sound of my voice. It's kind of like the rich man in hell who lifted up his eyes and said, I'm tormented in these flames. Please send Lazarus to tell my brothers not to come to this place. God tells the rich man, I cannot send Lazarus, but I can do the next best thing. He said, I'll send some prophets. And in our day and age, God is sending prophets, preachers, and teachers, and Holy Ghost-filled saints of God to spread His message around this world. So tonight, we know from the Word of God that we are wonderfully made. But there is an incredible fearful part of this. Because I'm deliberating here today. You're making decisions today. There's some choices that we're going to have to make. The writer said in Ecclesiastes 11 and 9, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou, or we would say it like this, but know this, that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. Do whatever we want to do. Go wherever we want to go. But make no mistake about it. Every man, every woman that's lived on this earth will face the judgment. Can I tell you this evening that I'm looking forward to the coming of the Lord. I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed. I understand today that I, I can earn hell, but I can't earn heaven. I have to make a choice. I have to make up my mind. I have to accept the invitation. And the fearful part of that is, is a choice can make all the difference in the world. One wrong move. 
There is a verse of Scripture that I used to struggle with or have, have some trouble understanding. The book of Romans chapter 9 and verse 13 says, As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And I would wrestle with that Scripture because it sounds so arbitrary and I know that the God I serve is not arbitrary. So upon further study and reading some commentaries and asking the Lord to help me to understand. I did gain some insight. And my question was, how is it that God could hate His own creation? He created Esau. How could He hate him? But when God says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated, if I could use our modern day vernacular, what he was simply saying was, Jacob was lovable. Did he have flaws? Yes. Make mistakes? Yes. A deceiver, a cheat, a surplanter? Yes. But he made it easy for God to love him. But Esau was hateful, and he made it difficult for God to love him. God saying it wasn't his choice. He gave the choice to Jacob and he gave the choice to Esau. I love Jacob because he let me. And I hated Esau because he wouldn't let me love him. So here I am this evening and I am wonderfully made. I may not look like much to you this evening, but in the eyes of the maker I'm incredible. But I'm also fearfully made and there is no one that can force me or cause me to be saved. I have to make a choice and I have to accept the invitation. In my closing comments this evening, there comes a time in life where either you do or you don't. And the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus laid out the plan and he told him all the commandments. And he said, well, Master, I've kept these from my youth, which was an incredible testimony in itself. I mean, this was a good man. But Jesus said, thou lackest one thing. And here's the fearful part. Now the man must choose. You say, well, Jerry, I followed the rules. I've lived a good life. I've given to the poor. I fed the hungry. I go to church. And those are all to be commended. And they are good things, great things, and they're necessary things. But they will not get us to heaven. Please don't misunderstand me tonight. But we have an obligation to obey the commandments of the Lord. Jesus himself said, If you love me, keep my commandments. But service never constitutes a claim to Christianity. There will be people that spend an eternity in hell that never missed a church service. And please don't misunderstand me tonight to be critical or judgmental. But the only thing that constitutes a claim to Christianity is a real and a personal relationship between you and God. What am I when nobody else is looking? What 
is on my mind when there's no one around to see? How do I conduct myself when there's nobody to watch? The Bible makes a profound statement. Jesus said, one thing thou lackest. Sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Take up the cross and follow me. The Bible profoundly states that this man went away sorrowful. Not angry. Not with a chip on his shoulder. But he went away in sorrow. Because he knew that he was walking away from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that he had just made the worst decision of his life. I am wonderfully made. You are wonderfully made. We are unique and we are special to God. There's not another creature in the world that ever made quite like me. And that's the wonderful part. But the fearful part is, and the question that we have to ask ourselves tonight, is God special to me? There are people right now watching and listening under the sound of my voice. And you're wrestling with the choice that you want to make in your life. And so I'm asking, is he special enough for you to choose him? You see, the Spirit of the Lord has been drawing and it's been moving and God has been dealing with hearts over the last few minutes and He's been sending out some invitations while I've been preaching. And there have been some tonight that did not want to be confronted with a decision to make concerning their walk with God. So they checked out or they logged off. But ladies and gentlemen, there's coming a day where we won't have the opportunity to click off or log out. But we're going to have to stand before our maker. And we're going to have to be judged for the life that we have lived here on this earth. But for those of you who are still tuned in this evening. I'm asking. And God is asking. What choice will you make tonight? Will you pray with me? Father, I love you and I'm so thankful for the grace and the mercy that you have extended to me. I'm thankful for the word of God and for what it means in my life. And I'm asking, Lord, that you help me, that you make crooked paths straight, and that you be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is my desire to serve and to live for you. And I'm asking that this word tonight, Lord, would be sealed in our hearts and our minds and help us glean from this word. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.